That's our series. That's what we're doing right now. We're walking through the miracles of Mark, and we are in the marquee chapter right now, chapter 2. If you turn to Mark chapter 2 with me, we're going to walk through 17 verses this morning. That's the plan. We'll see how it goes. Tear off the roof. Lower me down because I'm going to be in the room. Now, if on any Sunday so far, somebody said we did what we needed to do to be in the room, hello, you're here. <laughs> Fought the bitter cold to be in the room. You don't have to be in the room. You don't have to be in the room this week while we're praying. You can pray anywhere you need to be. There is something about being in the room. And that is the space of believers. In this chapter, we're going to read about it being someone's house. It could be this room. It can be a lobby. It can be an aisle in the grocery store, can't it? Wherever he is. In Mark chapter 2, a few days later, Jesus again entered Capernaum. So he had actually been in Capernaum. There were so many people there. The entire town turns out to see him. The whole place. And he goes out into the wilderness to pray. And the disciples come out and they report, man, everybody is here, dude. They're all here to see you. And he says, great. That's why I've come to go to other cities. So I'm glad you're here. We don't have to go back. Let's just leave from here. But he goes back to Capernaum. And the people heard that he'd come home. Many gathered, so many, in fact, that there was no room left. Exactly what happened before. Right, exactly what happened. The place was packed. So he goes back there. So many gather that there's no room left, not even outside the door. That is standing room only. And he preached the word to them. So today, what we can do, and actually in churches all over this country, there'll be an auditorium like this today where someone like me is standing, talking live with a microphone. And then there will be a room, kind of like our Romine Hall, where there will be another three or 400 people sitting in there, looking at a screen, watching the person on the other side of the wall preaching to the live crowd over there. They didn't have that. <laughs> they didn't have that. You were in the room, or you didn't get to hear what was going on. And it was standing room only. The door was all the way to the door, packed. And he's preaching the word to them. Now, verse 3. Some men came bringing to him. When we talk about this center screen, let's go to the roof. Everything that we said last week and everything that we're going to say for the next eight weeks is going to be about us getting people to him. In this scenario, it says that some men brought him a paralytic, carried by four of them. So there were four guys, apparently, that gathered their buddy. Now, their buddy couldn't get there, right? The man at the pool, when Jesus leans down to him and he says, do you want to be healed? And the man says, I can't even get to the water. True. This paralytic could not, he couldn't get to the house if no one was in the house. Some people can't get to Jesus if there's nothing in the way. They need us. 
We are his hands. We are his feet. We are his body. And we, as his body, are able to grab someone by the hand, put our arm around them, open our car seat, walk with them, journey with them together. They carried him, four of them, and since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus. And after digging through it, they lowered the mat that the paralyzed man was lying on. Now, if somebody dropped someone in this roof, they need to start Thursday. Like, there is a lot. Girders, steel. You might be familiar with a first century Jewish home, but there were often outside stairways. They'd have meetings and gathering, and sometimes they sleep up on the roof under the open stars. So there was actually a stairway that you could walk up. They weren't like hoisting and doing all the things we'd have to do. And then it was really just usually sod and a few tiles that you could move about. It wasn't quite as destructive as we might envision. They lowered this man. Verse 5, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. A couple things here that I think are so important. When Jesus saw their faith. Now I think that the, 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 the crux of this, the gist of it, the heart of it for me, when this was first dropped in my heart and I was sitting back there about five rows back on a Saturday, and this whole series was dropped into my heart, it's for this. We can often think that we get prayer requests and prayer needs, and I'm like, hey, Marilyn, I need to get to church. I need Jesus to help me. And I come to you, and then you come to somebody, and we get it all together. Uh-uh. Do you see? This doesn't happen very often in the Scripture. We don't see this very much. He saw the faith of someone else and healed the guy. I wonder what the faith was that he saw. What do you think he saw? I mean, we picture Jesus sitting there, you know, looking up, sees the light come in possibly, and then shadowed as this man is dropped and lowered down on a mat. <laughs> I guess people parted, and he right at his feet maybe. Maybe that's how that went down. And he looks up, and he sees not the faith of this guy, but he sees the faith of the others. And my question would be, is, was it faith that, because Jesus can read minds sometimes in the scripture, he says, and he perceived their thoughts, right? He knew what was going on. I wonder if Jesus was sitting there and he did this like little retinal scan. It's like, ah, enough faith. Maybe it was heart faith. Maybe Jesus, because he's Jesus, could look up and sense it and see it, scan it. Or maybe... He saw their faith because they were there. I'm dropping the guy down. What do you, you think I don't believe you can do this? Sometimes I think we find hurdles in our own sense of faith 
because we get very inside our head. Rather than just celebrating and enjoying and receiving the fact that I'm here. I can feel lousy. I can feel defeated. I can feel broken. And I can sit back there and think, I don't even know if I have any faith. I'm here. I can walk to the front. I can be standing here feeling hardly anything. I don't even know what I'm feeling. Flat line feeling. And I'm here. I'm in your presence. I just want to be in the room where you are. That's where I want to be. I believe that if I can touch your garment, I'll be healed. I believe that if I can be in the room, you can save me. You can deliver me. You can touch me. So many times we feel like we have to feel like it. So many times we feel like faith is a product of how feel. You know what? I don't know if Jesus is going to heal you or not, but I believe in him. I don't know if you'll be delivered right now today or not, but I believe he can. I don't know what's going to happen because I can find as many stories where there are delays and there are turns in the road. Paul one time said, Trophimus, I left at my leadum Sick. Paul of all people. Touching handkerchiefs, shadows healing people. That's what was going on with those guys. And this particular brother, Trophimus, what's the story there? I don't know. But you know what I do know and believe? Still a healer. Still a deliverer. Still a savior. And I'll tell you something else. For me, I know, as Delhi said, my life was a mess before Jesus. I couldn't get it any better. My whole conversion story is, I don't know how this is going to go, but it's not going so good now. My sense is this, can't be worse. Can't be worse. And I will find my way to an altar. And I will say, Lord, do whatever you want to do. And I believe you can do all things. He saw their faith. They brought him for a healing from being paralyzed, but Jesus forgave his sin first. Isn't that interesting? Isn't it interesting? A lot of us don't even think Jesus forgives our sin when we ask him. I'm not a rookie. I've hung out with a lot of people for years. You ask Jesus, you come to him, you repent. Repentance is turning to him. You literally repent and turn to him, and still you feel all the weight and guilt of your sin. A lot of us are asking, turning, repenting, confessing, begging, essentially, and we still don't feel like he's doing it, where this old boy didn't even ask for it, and Jesus says, sin's forgiven. You got to do business with that. There is a disconnect there that I would like to invite you to journey across that bridge and recognize. He is so willing 
when we turn to him to wipe that slate clean, when we are in his presence. You know the story of the woman caught in the very act of adultery, scandalous, and they brought her to Jesus. She deserves to be stoned to death under their custom and law, deserves to die, and she gets forgiven. What I find very interesting is he called out the sin in the men that had the stones in their hand. How do I know he called out their sin? You know. He said, if you don't have sin, throw a stone. Nobody threw a stone, so they acknowledged their own sin. And yet, they left with their sin. None of those guys got forgiven. None of those guys got forgiven. You know all they had to do? You know all you have to do today? That's all they had to do. She's sitting right there at his feet. All they had to do is go, excuse, excuse me, <laughs> excuse me. That's all they had to do. No big, long prayer. No big, long confession. Just, I'm, I'm going to look to you. I'm going to be in your presence. I'm going to surrender myself. I'm going to submit myself to you. I don't even know what that means. I don't know all the Christian language. I don't know all the churchies. I'm just here. I'm here. There's something drawing me to you. I told someone the other day, I'm in love with a 33-year-old Jewish man. That died a couple thousand years ago. How silly is that? How silly is that? It's ridiculous, except I am. I love him. I love him. Changed my life. I am drawn to him. I want to be in his presence. I want to be his friend. I want to be his brother, his son, whatever. Whatever. I just want to be near you, Jesus. That presence changes my life. And in this context, you see, First century, people really, really, really connected sin with consequences. Sickness. The man that was blind. Do you remember that story? The man is blind. And the disciples ask, well, who sinned, Lord? <laughs> this man or his parents? He was born blind, so did his parents sin? And this is the punishment consequence for that. Or did he somehow sin? And that's his consequence punishment. Like, what's the deal? Hey, that little fact has gone forward into 2024, where we can often feel like our sin and our situation, like God is spite and punishment. Your sin has consequences. We're going to read on through here. Quit sinning. But you don't get better by quit sinning. You get better by turning to Jesus. <laughs> And when you turn to Jesus, that's how not only are you forgiven, but that's how you quit doing the dumb stuff. You quit missing the mark, not because you've gotten the rules memorized, but because you are near him. It is not of ourselves. It is his power within us that helps us. It is relationship. Temptation is not about discipline. Hear my words. Temptation in your life is about relationship. Temptation in your life is not about discipline. I'm so tempted. I'm just, I just don't have any discipline. No, no, no. You don't have a relationship. 
You have a relationship with someone, you love them, your spouse, Jesus, your friend, you know what? You don't sin against them because you love them. Jesus said it, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Our temptation is not about our poor self-discipline. Our temptation is a sign that our relationship needs to be a little bit better. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there and they were thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And my answer to that would be yes. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And see, we come into this sometimes with our very limited human understanding. I know my limited human understanding because people ask me questions expecting me to have answers that I don't have. It's limited. And so we look at this. God's supposed to be able to forgive sin. This guy's forgiving sin. He's not God. In fact, he is God. And a lot of times we don't make the jump, so we miss the moment. He's forgiving sin. And immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take up your mat, and walk? Which one's easier? Which one's easier? Which one's easier? Let me ask you. Which one's easier? The healing in your body or the healing of your soul? Which one's easier? The healing of your heart or the healing of your flesh? Which one, which one is easier? Because most of us feel like one is easy. Most of us feel like we might have a lock on one of those. Well, I got faith for physical healing, and I'm, I just, I'm driven under shame and brokenness. Or, Jesus heals my heart, but man, the rest is a mess. He's got the whole package. We need to go to the roof. <laughs> what is that roof? What is that barrier? Was it the crowd? You see, if I asked, what's the barrier? And you think it was the roof. The roof was the access point. The barrier was all these people. <laughs> oh my, how many folks could come to Jesus, Jesus if it wasn't for all the people? Oh my, how many people could come to Jesus if it wasn't for all the people. The roof was the access point. The roof was the part that we open up and drop him in the lap of the Lord. How many of you are ready to say, I am, you drop me right at your feet. Drop me right at your feet and heal whatever you want to heal in me. I've been doing something a lot lately. I've been sitting. My history is Pentecostal. I can throw down with anybody. I can roll and run and jump. I've never done walking on the backs of the chairs. And I probably shouldn't do that either because I wouldn't be so good at that but I can get loud and sing and clap and spin and twirl and have the stories to prove it. 
Lately, I've been sitting with my hands open. I've been asking God, Holy Spirit, please come in and heal the broken places. And then I sit and I wait. And you ready for this? I don't hardly feel anything ever. I sit there and I'm like, Lord, please come heal the broken places. Holy Spirit, please come into my life and heal those parts that I can't touch and that I can't see. I need you. I need you. And in those moments, I don't feel much, frankly. But that's where I'm drawn to be. That's where I'm drawn to be. And what I have found is when I'm in that moment, maybe feeling nothing, I come in this moment and it feels richer. I come in this moment and it feels stronger. I come in this moment and I recognize a depth of the presence and the power of God that is different. It's different for me. Get up, take up your mat, walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He says to the paralytic, get up, take up your mat, go home. He got up, took his mat, walked out in full view of them all. Isn't that fantastic? Too many people for him to get in, but they made a a hole for him to go out, right? (laughs) They opened her up, man. They made an aisle for him to march out and walk out, walk out of his own power, his own volition. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we've never seen anything like this. Anybody else hungry for, I've never seen anything like this. I mean, I'm ready to see God do stuff in people. I've never seen anything like this. Brian, you and I have been serving the Lord a long time, haven't we? And we've also been blessed to be in situations and proximity where we've seen some miraculous stuff. We've seen quite a few things. I want to still say, oh, I never seen anything like this. <laughs> and I'm not interested in saying it so I feel better about myself. I'm not interested in saying it so I feel validated in my Christianity. I'm interested in saying it because it means your deliverance. It means your freedom at a level never before seen. I want to take you to the roof. (laughs) I'm trying today. (laughs) I want to take you up there, flip you over my shoulder, and fireman carry you right to the top. Pull back the sod, open up the tiles, and drop you right at the feet of Jesus. Because I'm going to be sitting right next to you, my friend. I'm going to drop you down. I'm going to slide down that same rope and sit right next to you at the feet of Jesus. Now, as we look at these miracles in these 10 chapters, these first 10 chapters of the book of Mark, Mark chapter 2, I don't know if you have an NIV Bible. Maybe you have a Bible with you or, or even in your phone you can look at it. And if it's NIV, they do paragraph headings. You look at the headings, that's the only miracle in there. That's the only one, that's the only heading that says, Jesus heals. But I'm going to offer for you that it's not the only miracle in there. Verse 13, Jesus had another miracle. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake and a large crowd came to him and he began to teach them. 
And as he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. That miracle can be lost on us. If we don't understand the history and if we don't understand the cultural context, that miracle might be a bigger miracle than dropping the guy through the roof. That miracle where Jesus is walking along and he looks over to Levi Matthew, you mean the gospel of Matthew? Yeah, that one, yeah. Matthew, he looks over to him, and he says, follow me. That's pretty miraculous. This wasn't something where you're a hot mess, and you're scandalous, and you're crazy, and you're wild, and you're ostracized, and you walk in the room and everyone goes, <gasps> and Jesus takes you aside and says, hey, listen, maybe we could work something out where, you know, you follow me, I help you, you get better, you know, that whole thing. Uh-uh. Where was Matthew? Where, where was he? Where was he? He was sitting, he was on the job. <laughs> he was sitting in the tax collector's booth. That's about as public and open as you can be. And do you know what Jews had to do with tax collectors? Everybody all together? Nothing. That's right. Well done. <laughs> nothing. You don't talk to them. You don't mess with them. You, nothing. They are like anathema to you. They are dead to you. They were Jewish. Matthew is Jewish. A traitor. Treason to his people. Treason to Jehovah God. Nothing to do with him. And Jesus, who does, doesn't seem to care about any of that business, walks up and says, follow me in front of everybody. Do you get it? There were a lot of crowds. It was like Mardi Gras right now. Everywhere Jesus went, there were just crowds of people. The streets were full. Like the town came out. Everybody was there. He's walking along, and he sees this guy. Who's your throwaway person? Come on, who is it? Who is it? Who's the furthest from God, the one so outlandish, there's not the slightest wink of hope, and in fact, God is disgusted by their very existence based on our rules. That's the one. That's the one he walks up in front of everybody, everybody, as public as can be, not even like in disguise. The old boy is in uniform, sitting in the tax collector's booth, and he calls him from right there. Ha. Miracle. You know what else was a miracle? And Levi got up and followed him. You know what I know? Because I'm human too. There are people in this room that 10 minutes ago, if you'd have thought about Jesus asking you to follow him, you just said, oh, no, that would be a mistake. I heard that wrong. No, he was calling you. What about all your brokenness? What about all your dysfunction? What about the treason and self-destruction? 
What about the treason toward God, your own life? I had a conversation with someone in the last week. They were very, very distraught about blasphemy. They were very, very distraught about having said something against God, against the Holy Spirit. Couldn't quite remember what it was, but they were feeling all that. I said, listen, I've been doing this a long time. Here's what I've found for sure. People that are worried about it usually didn't. I get that's what Jesus says, but there's not an example in the entire book of him doing it. I get that's what was said, but there's not one single example in the scripture where he's like, yeah, sorry, you, you screwed up in 74, you're out. That's not who he is. He will come by and see you, and he will call you, and he's doing it today. See, these miracles of Jesus sometimes will let you through the roof. Sometimes he's going to walk up and say, follow me. Levi got up and followed him. Now, I want you to check out this transition. This is the end of 14. Look at 15. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house. Bam. I love that. Do you know how much I love that? That's the transition. He's like, hey, ostracized, scandalized, tax collector, kicked to the curb, cut out of the tribe of Israel. Come follow me. And in the next verse, he's having dinner at Levi's house. Many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples. Ready for this? For there were many who followed him. Many. Hey, you ready for this? Some of us know God's called us out of junk. Can I, can I get a, a, a roger that? Amen, something? Yeah. God's called us out of stuff. Really has. Called Levi out. You know the result of that? He hung out with him. You know what else? From that one follow, many followed. Can I, can I increase your own faith here? Can I help you with your own faith? When you say yes to Jesus, follow me, many follow. Many others follow. Did he call them directly? They just see the life change in you. They see the heart change in you. They see the acceptance that Jesus has, the sense of belonging that he gives, and who doesn't want that? And when they see that live and in person and in action, then they start following. And it says many followed him. Again, when the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners, right? That's in quotes in my Bible. And tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Anybody know that answer? <laughs> what did he say, Jerry? Yeah, because he loved them. Because he was hungry. That's an also a viable answer. He ate with them because he was hungry. He ate with them because he loved them. He goes on to say why he ate with them. They're asking the question, why would Jesus eat with Levi? Why would he even call him? You see, Jesus is ready to forgive you. He is ready to heal you. He is ready to hang with you. And he is ready to change your life. And it might be in that order. <laughs> he is ready to forgive you. He is ready to heal you. 
then he wants to hang out with you, have dinner with you. You see, the entire city turns out in chapter one, and Jesus is out in the woods praying, and he's like, yeah, 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 let's go. But when Matthew follows him, he's got all the time in the world to sit down and have a barbecue. He's got time to sit and be and eat and let all those new followers hang around. I love that part about him. So why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Probably because he's hungry. Probably because he loves them. Why is there such acceptance and belonging in this church? Because we love you. We love you. Dana, what's the one reason most common, more than any other reason, people say next step is different? Because we care. That's not us saying it, is it? It's the client saying it. Client who's been all these other kind of places. We don't know. I've never worked at another addiction facility. I don't know. But the feedback is, I'm here because I feel somehow that you care. And you know what I say to that? Good, because we do. We do. You know what's horrible? It's horrible if you don't care and act like it. But you know what's worse? <laughs> when you actually do love and it's not getting through. That's worse. This is a church that does love. We actually do love you. And what do we want from you? Nothing. You. We want you to connect with Jesus. We want to take you to the roof. We want to open the door and drop it. We want Jesus on the bottom shelf because he's on the bottom shelf. We're not interested in being between you and Jesus in any way at all, ever, ever. I'm not the life change. He's the life change. He's the life change. When we talk about the hope that is in us, It's him. It's him. Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? He answers that question. Verse 17, come on up, Arnick. On hearing this, Jesus says to them, you see, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, <laughs> uh, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but Sinners. Why is Jesus calling Matthew? Why is Jesus having dinner here? He's like, that's why I'm here. I find it I find it almost tantalizing, frankly, <laughs> that that the fact that they're all looking at this going, bro, what are you doing? As if calling him out in the wrong way, and he's like, no, 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 don't you understand? That's, that's why I came. That's the reason I'm here. Do you have that in the NLT, Matt? This verse 17 in the New Living Translation, look at it, it says, when Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they're sinners. This isn't showing up for those that think they're righteous. 
But for those of us that know we need him, now you ready for this? I'm going to put a little spin on this. Ready? I think I'm righteous. In fact, I know I'm righteous. But it's not my righteousness. I know I'm righteous. He says I'm righteous. I know. I mean, if we're like sidebar comment, like I know I'm not righteous. But he says I'm righteous. I know that I'm righteous, but it's because he says I'm righteous. My favorite verse in the Bible is Romans 8, 33. Who shall bring a charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies, and justifies means made righteous. It is God who makes me righteous. Annie, you cannot bring a charge against me. I cannot bring a charge against you. Do you know what else? You can't bring a charge against you. And I can't bring a charge against me. He says that I'm righteous. So I actually know I'm righteous. <laughs> but I know it's because of him. And I know what I need. And I need to be dropped through that roof and set at his feet. What's King James or New King James, Matt? What's it say? Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but look at this. But sinners to repentance. So Jesus' plan is not just, hey, let's have a high five, come by ya party. His plan is that we change. His plan is that we turn. His plan is that because of that relationship with him, because of that connection with him, things shift. You see, he is so willing to forgive us. And he's so willing to heal us. And he really wants to hang out with us. You don't have to raise your hand. But could I encourage you? Can I encourage you this week? Will you let Jesus hang out with you? Will you, if this is, if this is you, will you stop making it hard? Will you stop putting things up? Those noble things. Like I haven't been doing right. I haven't been living right. It's not sin that separates you from God. How would anyone repent ever? How, how would you even come to Jesus? And who here thinks they don't have sin in their life? What in the world? What, what in the world? Of course you do. That's why you need his righteousness. It covers that. But we have these ideals. And they frankly, they just keep us blocked away. Because when, if you're a person that thinks you don't have sin in your life, when you inevitably do, then it's a whole huge circuit. It's a whole huge like distance thing. And no, 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 no. It is his righteousness that covers us. He forgives our sin and he wants to heal us. And he doesn't have to die again. I said this recently. He already did all that. It is so easy. Hear my words. It is so easy for Jesus to say yes to every one of us. He doesn't have to die again. He doesn't have to go through all that stuff. He doesn't, he's done it. Once for all, I said that last week. Once for all, just say yes. <laughs> and when he comes to hug you today, which I think is happening, don't give the stiff hug thing. 
Relax and let him love you because he does. And that just loves you like a used car salesman wants to like check a box and get a sale and go to the next person. He wants to have lunch with you. He wants to hang out at your house. He wants to ride with you in the truck. He wants to sit with you in your home. He wants to be with you. And then he wants to change you. And it's the turning toward him. He said, I came to the sick so that they can be changed, so they can be healed. Not so we stay sick, but so we can be changed. That's my encouragement to you today. Part of this series is let's take them to the roof. Let's go to the roof. Let's get people that need Jesus. Let's bring them to him. Let him see our faith and let miracles happen. But maybe a little bit of the pause this morning will be some of us need that. And some of us need to be able to just accept that and live in it, live in that space. Lord Jesus, as we sing together in this moment, help us connect with you. Lord, allow you to love us. Thank you for the gospel, the good news of you coming to make our life different. Thank you for people that brought us to you. As a disciple of over 30 years, I am thanking you for people that brought me to you. They carried me when I was in my own way, when I was self-destructive, when I was selfish, when I was arrogant, when I had ego, and I still do. You helped me. You bring people to me that help me. And you continue to heal me and you continue to hang out with me. And you continue to change me. And that is the story for everyone in this room. It can be the story for everyone in the sound of my voice. And everyone connected to them and everyone connected to them. Help us sit in that space today, Jesus. Just sit with you, Holy Spirit. Heal us.